Welcome back to another Locked On NFL. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout Matt Williamson. Excited to get into this Twitter Tuesday. We've got some nice Twitter questions to get to. Uh, some AB news. Uh, Antonio Brown dominating the headlines in the NFL right now. We don't want to go full reality TV here on Locked On NFL, <laughs> but I think we do have to. He had an official statement that, Matt, I want to get your opinion on uh, since you've been close to AB a little bit and you know uh, what what he's all about. Yeah, we're going to get into some Twitter mailbag questions. Thanks, everybody who got involved. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We are everywhere you find podcasts. You can also find Vinny Iyer's show, Locked On Fantasy Football. He's getting you guys ready for your fantasy football drafts daily here on the network. And uh, Matt and I also... Fantasy Fridays are breaking down some fantasy football action. It's fun. Football's back. Games happened. Fantasy drafts happening around the NFL community. So it's a good time. It's a fun time. And Matt, I'm excited to talk more football today. Yeah, absolutely. And Vinny's doing great stuff. It's his fantasy season. Big time. Go check that out. Good to talk to you as always. How's everything going? Everything's going great. Had a nice little commute into San Francisco today, locked in here with some Twitter questions, and uh, there's some good ones. Actually, the first one, and it, there might be a little bit of inside information that I've missed here on Locked On NFL when I was not hosting with you, and I want to start with, actually, you know what, before we get to the Twitter questions, let, let's go AB and get this out of the way, because he had an, <laughs> a, a statement on Twitter, and he, he sent this tweet, and I want to know, I think there is probably maybe a 1% chance that he typed it, but I don't think he even was in control of his phone or whatever computer put this tweet out there. This is from Antonio Brown at AB84, his official Twitter. It says, and it's funny because there's actual quotation marks on the tweet, which means he's not saying this himself, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) It says, while I disagree with the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season. Appreciate all the concerns about my feet. Foot emoji. Hashtag always a fight. Hashtag represent. Hashtag it's bigger than me. The hashtag's not inside the quotes, but the fact that it's inside quotes makes me think that this is not from AB. This is from a PR guy. and But it's on his official Twitter trying to make nice here. And, and sounds like he's going to get back to playing football at some point. Well, it sounds like to me somebody had a little chat with Mr. Brown and sat him down and said, come on, man, you're, you're, you're getting out there again. It's time to reel you back in. Uh, you, you're, you're with the new team. They gave you a big contract. I'm sure you're upset about this helmet thing. I get it. You know, some of us have to make changes we don't like, but this is the world we live in grow up and get back with the team. And then we got hard knocks coming up too. So that'll be kind of fun to watch some more of that stuff too. See what's going on, what they actually show us. Yeah. And I hope they show, they have to show what people already know. If they, right, there would be an uproar if they tried to sort of gloss over it. Even if the Raiders wanted it that way, they can't because everyone already has a really good idea of what's going on at least some point, but you know, at least have a B's side of it. Let him tell his own story. Maybe. Right, right. I mean, and it might put it in a different light. I mean, maybe there's something we're overlooking with this helmet. I mean, I'm sure a pitcher wouldn't want a new glove or, you know, I mean, I get it, but come on. I mean, we don't all need to hear about it. Yeah, local radio, actually, when I was driving in, I heard Bill Romanowski and he was talking about it and he knows AB and he's talked to him personally. And his thing was, he said, okay, look, if I've been wearing this helmet for 10 years and now you tell me it's unsafe to wear it, like, what are you going on? Are you telling me that you were not looking out for my safety then? Uh, but mm. I've, and I, I see where he's going with that. But at the same time, it's like, well, look, they've got better technology now. So they're trying to right. help you. Let 
they they gave you the best they had then. Now let them give you the best they have now. Yeah, in the fifties they didn't know smoking was bad. In the seventies they didn't know steroids <laughs> right. were bad. I mean, yes. like we we learn more things as we you know grow as a culture. But I will say, and I, this is just people who know AB. He didn't tell me this. Nobody knows this for sure. But I have heard from many sources that when Perfect hit him and concussed him and knocked him out. He's been a much different person since. So, and some of that might be, hey, I, yeah, he got his bell rung and maybe it changed the way his brain works a little bit. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> um, but more so, I think it's, hey, I am mortal. I may not be here forever. My legacy might not last as long as I thought it would. And I might have to change the way I look at the world and the game and my career and all that. So I would imagine head trauma it rings home a little more to him than others. I want to move on to this locked on or this, uh, yeah, locked on NFL. I almost said locked on 49ers. So I'm used to hosting that show. <laughs> locked on NFL Twitter Tuesday mailbag. And there's something here that I think I'm not. Uh, I'm not privy to, and I want to hear what this is all about. Joshua has a couple of questions. I'm going to get to a football question, but he said, what are Brian's thoughts on your Jersey rules? And I assume he means, Matt, you have some Jersey rules that I need to know about here? Well, he's kind of supplanting. Here's the whole story is back in the day, I worked for ESPN for 10 years, and we had the Football Today podcast. Many of you listened. Many of you that are listening now listened then. Some of you haven't. That was a long time ago. I've been supplanted from ESPN now. I think this is my fourth season. But to be very honest, and this is just a fact, it was the biggest football podcast in the world back when there weren't podcasts. And one of my hosts, Ross Tucker, people know Ross. He's going to come on the show. I was on his show recently. He didn't even know what a podcast was when they hired him to be my (laughs) co-host. So, I mean, he's like, what's a podcast? That sounds fun. I'll try it. And now he's a podcast juggernaut. Yes, exactly. So it gives you some frame of reference, but we were gigantic and the Ford Letter Network didn't know how to make money off podcasts. Then. We didn't sell advertising and it just went away. I mean, it it makes there's nothing that I regret more than how that went down because we should still roll. It was a great podcast and but it's led me here and that's great. Um, Robert Flores was my co-host. He works for MLB now and he's was kind of a talking head type. Um, but we had a, a really good rapport back and forth, and we had awesome guests. I mean, like Joe Green and Barry Sanders. I mean, we had unbelievable guests on that show. But one of the, one of the things that he had was his jersey rules. They weren't my jersey rules. I don't really care about the jersey rules so much. And it was kind of one of his side things that he brought up a lot. And one of them was you should never own or wear a jersey of a human being younger than you. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like – that kid's 18. I mean, that kid just got drafted in the NHL draft. He's 19, and you're a 60-year-old man wearing his jersey. That was one of them. I, I urge people to write in and tell us the rest of them, or I can reach out to Roflo and figure out exactly what his jersey rules are. But I thought that was a pretty good guideline to live by. That is a really rock-solid guideline, even for people who like <laughs> to wear jerseys. And right. So I'm 100% on board with that. I'm, I'm not a jersey guy at all. In fact, and this is probably unpopular. If I was to go jersey, I like the t-shirt jerseys more than like the mm. the, the real deal pro jerseys. You know, uh, that's just my style. I, I'm not – I own – let's see. I own two proper jerseys. One has my name on the back, and it was a San Francisco Giants baseball jersey. My wife 
is a Dodgers fan. I'm a Giants fan, so there's, you know, a little headbutting in our family, and it was a big topic when we were getting married. You know, Dodger fan, a Giants fan, they can't get together. And so one of my friends uh, that worked for an apparel company got us, uh, got her a Dodgers, got me a Giants with the peacock on the back and had the year that we were, the numbers, the year we were married. So that's one. It was a gift. It was a really cool gift. And, you know, if we go to Giants game, I'll wear that jersey. And the other is I grew up in a town called Visalia, California. It is a Visalia Oaks minor league jersey from like the late 80s, early 90s. Those are the only two jerseys I own, and I really hardly ever wear them. And so I'm pretty anti-Jersey, and I think I'm not. I'm not. That's just for me. I don't think you are a bad person if you wear a jersey. It's just not what I do. But I think if you are wearing a jersey from someone younger than you, then that's that's a great guideline. And when I advise people on what jerseys to buy, I don't don't buy that new jersey of that new player. I think that's just bad. Um, Financially, that's not the way to go about it because you don't know what that player's career is going to turn out to be. He gets traded. Now he's on a new team. You see that all the time. People put tape of a new name on the back of their jersey. Buy a jersey of the player whose legacy is cemented, that guy who's retired. You know, If I'm advising a 49ers fan, go buy a Jerry Rice jersey. Go buy a Ronnie Lott jersey. Don't buy that new rookie jersey. Wait and see who that player is. Then you go spend that money. That's good advice. And let's take it up a little bit more of a notch around my my household. Uh, first of all, Pittsburgh's a huge Jersey town. And I have quite a few of them. I really never wear them anymore. My 12-year-old son loves jerseys. He has them from Steelers, Pens, J.J. Watt, Gurley. I mean, he's got a lot, wears them probably once a week. Cool. He's a 12-year-old. He's going into seventh grade. Him and his buddies wear different jerseys. Maybe they swap them. But my aunt's bought him a fathead, you know, like the the real life yeah. size sticker for your wall. And they were going to get him any P- Pittsburgh Penguin he wanted. And they they all decided on James Neal, who got traded the year after that. And I'm like, take Sidney <laughs> Crosby. He's going to never be gone. He's going take 87. He's going to be a, a Penguin the rest of his life. And they end up with James Neal. He's still on the wall. He's playing for who who knows at this point. Last note, though, is I do have a jersey. I mean, I probably have 20 jerseys here that that are adult men, double XLs that fit me or whatever. And some of them are like Dan Marino at Pitt. I have Joe Green from the Steelers. There's a Lambert. There's a Ham. I don't wear them much anymore, but at least those dudes are older than me. I do have some (laughs) Penguin ones that I might wear to the game because I got to say, if you go to Penn's game, 80% of the place has a jersey on. So that might be the only time you see me at one. Yeah, you know, I've seen hockey jerseys, I think, are are especially in the stadium. Yeah. And I know San Jose Sharks games, it, everybody has a jersey and it's current. And so you, it's hard. Yeah, you, There's nobody you on the team. The that's, there's nobody on the hockey team that's younger than me anymore. So I'm not going to be able to <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pull that off. If I went to Sharks game. But uh, jerseys are a huge industry. It's not my thing. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be your thing, but. There are probably some smarter ways to go about it. And, yeah, it is weird. You're wearing a teenager's jersey. That's something a little bit odd about that. It is. All right. We've got some football questions to get into here on Locked On NFL. More of that after the break. Listen up, guys. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance, get that extra confidence with Blue Chew. That's like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the very first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients, has Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from a little extra function, maybe a little bit more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps your follow-through. 
Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, so they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So thanks for the jersey question, Joshua. He's got a football question here. He wants to know, are any of Aaron Rodgers' pass catchers any good besides Devontae Adams? I think so. Um, I think Valdez Scantling has a chance to be a very good number two, especially downfield, um, size, speed, outside the numbers guy, flashed as a rookie, drawing good reviews this year, especially from Rodgers, and that would complement Adams well. Um, think of that offense a lot like the Falcons, though, and, and Geronimo Allison's going to be their Sanu, like their big physical slot, you know, not an Edelman-type slot, and I think he fits that role well. Uh, was quite productive when healthy last year. I mean, I, I, I always hesitate to, like, extrapolate the numbers but if you extrapolate his numbers, he had a pretty darn good year in a short stretch of time for Green Bay. Rodgers will make all of them better, and I think last year, due to injuries, he made them all less better than he usually does. The guy that I really am intrigued by, though, is Jay Sternberger, the the, the rookie tight end. I think he's going to be a really, really good one. It might not be this year, but he will be more than any good. I love Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm buying him everywhere I can in fantasy leagues. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be that number two wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, and I think he could absolutely blow up this year. And I love what the Packers did last year in the draft. And they they needed cornerbacks, so they drafted two corners early. They needed wide receiver depth, and they needed some young players to develop there. They drafted three wide receivers. And the first one, Jamon Moore, was the one I liked the least, and he actually got the least run last year. But I love Marquez Valdez-Scantling. When you're that big, that fast, developing with a good quarterback, uh, I, I love everything there. And Equinemius St. Brown, too, 6'5". He can fly. I think there's more to come with his career. Very young player. He's a couple years younger than Valdez-Scantling, even. So I love those guys, and we'll see how they develop. Maybe they don't turn out to be stud number two, number three wide receivers, but I think they both have a lot of talent, and I'm buying on both of them. And I like the way the Packers did that. And so uh, I'm up on all those guys. And, of course, Devontae Adams is the guy. But if you're singled up with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, there's not many corners in the league that are going to be as big and fast and physical as that guy. So uh, a lot of talent there, and I like what the Packers are doing. Yeah, great points about them stockpiling positions, young guys in the draft. And and to take it a step further, if you notice, the league has sort of gotten a little prejudice against tall, lanky, sized speed guys. You know, they want route runners. They want the ball to come out now. And the Packers were obviously in in the in looking for that mold last year. So they probably had pretty high grades on draft day for those all three of them. And I'm sure if you gave them true serum before the draft, they said, we're not going to take three. But if you have a third-round grade on a guy and he's sitting there in the fifth round, even though you have one, he's the best player on the board, well, that's what we're looking for. So we're going to go get him. Mantis on Twitter, assuming Freeman will be back healthy for the Falcons, how much stock are you putting into him being a top-ten running back in the league and get back to his 2016-2017 form? 
He worries me. Uh, smaller guy, extremely physical running style, even in, in college, coming off a major injury. So I probably won't own him anywhere in fantasy. Um, but I think that offense has a chance to be the best in the league. I mean, one of two, you know, first round offensive linemen, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, probably the best receiver in the league. Talked about Sanu. I think Ridley's ready to break out. I think Hooper's a high quality guy. So I do think Freeman will probably see lighter boxes. He's also a good receiver. 13 to 16 games are in a dome. Ryan has kind of struggled outdoors lately. So I love that offense and think it'll be a top five, if not better, unit. But I kind of like the passing game more than the running game. The one thing I will say is, yeah, there's less competition for carries if he is healthy. So he could absolutely carry the load there. And he doesn't have Tevin Coleman. Uh, there's some other backs in town, but none of them with Coleman's talent. So if he is healthy, which is the key to the question here, I think absolutely he could be, you know, an RB1, but I don't expect anything to the level that we saw from him in the past under Shanahan uh, earlier in his career. Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with you there too. Shout out to all of our Australian listeners. This is Luke, and he says, the show's gross. Grouse. I don't even know how to pronounce it. But he says, <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah. I saw that, and I was thinking, oh, no, that can't be good. But he said, that's Aussie for awesome. So appreciate that, Luke. He said, in your opinion, who will win out the top wide receiver job at the 49ers. Uh, I'll start with this Why one. And, take that, yeah. yeah, but I would like to get your opinion from the outside looking in and knowing these guys. Maybe sometimes mm-hmm. you're a little bit cl- too close to the fire. Um, the wide res- the, Here's what I think. I think the top three wide receivers, the 49ers, want them to be the ones that they put the draft capital in, and that's the second rounder last year in Dante Pettis, and then the second and third rounders this year in Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd would be that bigger slot wide receiver when they drafted Hurd. Kyle Shanahan talked about him maybe being an H-back, so he could move around. He could be in the backfield. Uh, They like to use the term OW, offensive weapon, for Kyle Juszczyk, and I think Jalen Hurd could be that guy as well. And and we saw that in the first preseason game. He caught the first touchdown. He was just running a crosser out of the slot, and then they had him in the red zone lined up outside, and they threw a fade route to him. So he could do a lot of different things. He's physical. I saw him pancake a linebacker in the blocking game, so I could absolutely see him be that hybrid sort of a— an H-back, they move him around. He's in tight to the formation. He's out in the slot a lot. So that's what I expect from Jalen Hurd. I think he'll be behind the other two guys on the outside if they ended up uh, all being those starting wide receivers this year. But Debo Samuel's the one to look out for. I think he's got a better shot to be the true wide receiver one than Dante Pettis in the future just because he's a little bit more uh, physically dominant. As a you know, he, he's He's more physical. I think he's just got a little bit more dog in him. And... Dante Pettis is just a little bit more of a finesse wide receiver, and he can get open like nobody's business. He can separate, and he's a loose athlete. He's got pure hands, but just and just going by what we've seen from them so far in camp this year, he's gonna he's the type of guy that I could see mentally just doesn't have that. He might not be that grinder, so maybe he would play second fiddle to Debo for that reason. But it's still early, and the starting wide receivers could be Jordan Matthews and. Marquise Goodwin still. I mean, we just don't know. They they are all really even right now in 49ers camp. A lot to play out there. Yeah, a lot of good information there, of course. I mean, what he didn't mention, and this isn't the question, but Kittle's the number one. And I think he's even going to yes. have a better year. He's going to lead the team in receptions by a, a wide margin. And then I think everyone's going to sort of chip in and share the pie. Um, Heard 
former running back at Tennessee who kept to really aid into Alvin Kamara's touches as a running back. So a super exciting guy there. I think he falls into a great system situation. I still like Goodwin. I mean, I just think he has that rare track Olympic speed. I mean, not like he's a fast guy. I mean, he's a fast guy among fast guys and maybe ain't quite what he used to be, but I still think he's going to have a role. Um, What I disagree with you on is I like Samuel and I like Pettis, but I think Pettis is the better. If I had, if I had to pick one of who I would put on my team, it would be Pettis. Although the, the buzz about him hasn't been wonderful at, at camp. It sounds like just from what I've read, but I thought he was great after the catch, highly versatile, a line all over the formation. Not that Samuel's, you know, bad in those regards. I just think Pettis is a little bit more talented of the two. And if one of the guys of we've mentioned Kittle aside were to be the wide receiver one on that team, I would put a chip on Pettis. Sounds like you'd put a chip on Samuel. Yeah. And you could move those guys all around and they're very mm-hmm. interchangeable. And I don't think it's a Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu situation where one's the obvious number one wide receiver because they just don't have that type of guy. So they could all be wide receiver one on any given afternoon, which I, which I think is why those are the types of players that Kyle Shanahan has targeted. But I think right now, and I would have agreed with you, and I would have said the breakout guy, not only in the 49ers, but in the league is Dante Pettis going to blow up this year. It, it hasn't looked like that's the path he's on in 2019, at least early, but there's a lot of time to go. So we'll see how that uh, turns out for the 49ers this season. All right, let's step aside real quick and get you some more Twitter Tuesday Support for today's show comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank and Men's Journal and named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code Locked On at Manscaped.com. That is Locked On at Manscaped.com. Dr. Thunder has a question about teams that might be not as good this year as last year. We've talked about a lot of teams that we like taking big steps forward. He says, everyone talks about the teams that make that, that big leap in 2019. What teams do you see making the biggest steps back this year? And while you think about this, Matt, uh, I'll give you one team and not because I don't think they're still very talented, but I just think the NFC West is going to be competitive, maybe more competitive than it was last year. And then there's just the Super Bowl hangover thing. So maybe the Rams Hmm. are not a big step back, but a slight step back. And it's just, the track record's not been good for teams that lose the Super Bowl. That's a good one. Not to mention, I mean, they're awfully high. They have a long way to fall. You know, they weren't 15th and they didn't pick 15th in the draft. They were picked 31st. Um, I like that one. I was going to stay in the same division and say Seattle. And my listeners will remember, I crushed them last year. I thought that this time of year, I thought they were a 5-6 type of win team. Just not a lot of talent. And they proved me wrong. They're super well coached. They have a great quarterback. But I still look at them and think, this is a rebuilding roster. You know, I mean, it's Wilson, it's Wagner. The rest of that defense, Jerron Reed suspended. I don't see much talent on the rest of that defense. I think the offense will be quite good, and Wilson's awesome. And I, I hate questioning quarterback-coach uh, combinations like that because it bit me last year with this team. But I don't see them as a playoff team. I, I Again, I, I think they'll be under 500. But I was wrong a year ago. Um, the other team would be the Bears, and I think the Bears are still really good, but they're not going to create turnovers at an insane rate like they did last year. Fangio's gone. Two members of the secondary are gone. 
I like Chuck Pagano. He was our defensive back coach when I was the Browns, so I'm rooting for him. But the, just any transition defensively, schematic and whatnot, is probably going to – in the end, the Bears' defense isn't going to be as good or as big play driven as it was last year. It almost just has to go backwards. And I like the offense, but I just am um, on the fence about Trubisky. And 16 games is a pretty small sample, so I think every year in the NFL, there's always going to be a little bit of regression to the mean for the worst teams and the best teams. Mm -hmm. And obviously, people listening to this are like, oh, how could you say a good team is going to be bad? And that's the difficult thing here, because you've got to pick good teams that could take that step back. And so any of those teams you mentioned could also be in the Super Bowl this year and and be very good. So it's a little bit more difficult to pick the teams that that have a steep fall than it is the ones that uh, that are on the come up, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. That's that's a good point. And um, the thing is, this time of year, everybody looks good. I mean, you can you can paint a pretty rosy picture for a lot of these teams. But as I always say, as we get closer and closer to the season, most of the news is going to be negative. You know, people are going to get hurt. You're going to your first round picks not as good as you thought, and uh, we'll see. But I, I just think the Bears will be very competitive this year. I don't think they're twelve, thirteen win type of good. Let's go to Falco. He says, love the show, fellas. Thank you very much. Are either of you worried about the Andrew Luck calf situation? Seems strange to deal with this for several months now. Luck's health is as important to any as any player in the entire league. And actually, that's a great point. If Luck is out, the Colts are probably a team that takes a little bit of a dive. Sure. I'm a huge Jacoby Brissett fan, but I'm also as big a Luck fan as you'll ever find. So I think he's a top three quarterback where Brissett's probably my favorite backup in the league, but not Andrew Luck, obviously. Uh, I have no idea. Should we be worried or not? Like, I don't look at Luck and say, he's fragile. He's injury prone. I mean, he's a big, strong, strapping dude that's smart. And as we saw last year with his injuries, ownership, front office is going to be extremely cautious with him. It's his second year in the system. I don't think he needs the reps right now. So right now, I'm kind of brushing it off as a non-story and – not like I know a heck of a lot of, a lot about biology and the human body, but I don't think his ailments from last year all of a sudden make you have a bad calf. You know, like I don't think it's a reaction from last year. I just think it's an isolated incident. But I often say, too, the hardest part of my job is talking about injuries. I, I don't know, but I'm not overly worried. And you never know. And it's teams throw the, the you know, four to six weeks out there and you're like, hey, this thing lasted seven months what happened <laughs> and <laughs> right. you know and sometimes guys are on the field with injuries that you and I would just lay in bed and not even go to work that day so it, it's really tough with injury stuff and I'm the same with you I'm not a doctor I'm not a physical therapist I can't give you any information about what his exact injury is how long it should take it, I I can see how there could be some worry and I'm not worried but Andrew Luck has had some injuries now and they've all taken a, a, quite a while to heal so He's a big strapping guy. I mean, is he a slow healer? I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I think he's going to be on the field week one to be fine. And like you said, doesn't need the reps. But if he's not playing week one, that tells you that something's more serious than, uh, and maybe even if he doesn't take a few snaps in week three, because that's the, that's the dress rehearsal. And I think most teams would like to have their starting quarterback, even if they're only 90, 95%, not 100% on the field for at least a few series to get that team ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, they have treated him with, you know, extreme caution in the past and drafted a bunch of linemen to make his life easier. And last year they began 
the relationship between Reich and Luck by getting it out of his hands very quickly, protecting him, max protection, and then they got more and more comfortable with him. I mean, they realize his extreme value to the franchise. All right, we only have a minute left. Let's circle back and and take this thing full circle here. Tom wants to know if the Antonio Brown saga actually ends with this helmet issue. What are his Hall of Fame odds? He's clearly been the best of his era, but no Super Bowl ring, a short career, and an all-time embarrassing ending. Well, it's not going to end now. I will say that with with uh, Antonio Brown, and he's still got a little ways to go to keep building that Hall of Fame resume, but I, I think there's a comp, and I think it's Terrell Owens. Being a weirdo doesn't keep you out of the Hall, but it might make you wait an extra year. Yeah, I was going to bring up Owens. Owens has, I think, the second most production in wide receiver history. I stood on the table and made a fuss when he didn't go in the first time. I'm like, this is a Hall of Fame player. But Owens also was on, what, six, seven teams? And for those that don't know, we've talked about Sando, talked to Sando about this because this is one of his jobs. He does this with Seattle. Um, uh, somebody from each team makes your case. So Ed Bouchette does it here in Pittsburgh. I assume he'll do it for A.B., I assume your Niners guy did it for T.O., but, you know, it's not quite the same when after they've left teams and especially have been bad uh, and with a, a bad taste in their mouth and then T.O. bounced on the league so much. All that being said, to cut to the chase, they could say, A.B., you have to wear this new helmet, and he's going to say, no, I quit, and he goes in the Hall of Fame at first ballot, in my opinion. I mean, I think it, it, when you look at his last six years – it's more productive than any stretch in the history of the game, including Jerry Rice and T.O. and Moss and everybody else. And I think he quits now is maybe one of the best five receivers to ever play the game. And in my opinion, he's right there with, I think, Julio's in that conversation, um, Moss, Calvin Johnson. I mean, A.B., what he's done over the last six years, which is a pretty big sample size for NFL football, is unreal. There you have it, Matt. Always great talking to you. We're out of time here on this Twitter Tuesday episode. If uh, we did not get to your question, we'll try to get to you next week. Thanks, everybody, who got involved. And we'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on NFL.